Well, I uh, want to say welcome to all of you. If you're joining us here in our room for the first time today, am I a little loud? A little loud? It's because we're excited, right? All right. So if you're joining us here in our room this morning for the first time, or if you're joining us online, we want to say welcome to all of you. We're so glad you're to worship with us here at Hosanna Christian Fellowship. For those online especially, if you don't know who I am, I am Pastor Nathan, and I am blessed to be here this morning to get into God's Word with you, to worship the Lord. And before we get into all of that, I would like to share with everybody what we're going to be looking at this morning. Um, this morning, we're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1 through 4, and we're going to be looking at the picture of a good shepherd. Some of you may remember a couple months ago, we actually used these verses as a springboard to look at uh, uh, what the New Testament teaches about church leadership. We talked about elders, we talked about deacons, and at that time we kind of really focused on biblically defining what an elder is in the church, what a deacon is in the church, and what they're expected to do, really so that you here in the body would know (laughs) what to expect from your leadership, what to expect from those that are called elders and pastors here, what the ministry is that they're supposed to be doing, and, and really how all that works together, you know, but at that time, a couple months ago, I didn't really go into detail into these first four verses of First uh, Peter at that time, and so because we go through the Bible verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book, and we have arrived at First Peter chapter 5, verses 1 through 4, that's what we're going to be looking at this morning, looking at them in their context and seeing what they teach us about what a good shepherd should be. Now, yes, I'd like to acknowledge that these verses are directly, very specifically aimed at pastors and elders. And some of you might hear a study like this and you're like, well, I'm not a pastor, I'm not an elder. So, pew, tune out, right? That might be our tendency. But I want to encourage you not to do that because there's a couple reasons. One, we don't skip what the Bible teaches about marriage just because there's single people in the room, right? We don't skip things just because it doesn't apply to everybody in their current life circumstance. Um, but the reason we really go through all of it is because your life circumstance might change. You know, you may be single now, but you may be married one day. You may be in this room this morning, and, and maybe now or maybe in the future, the Lord might be laying on your heart to pursue pastoral ministry and what all that means. And then before you get into all that is a wonderful time to look at what is expected of a good shepherd. And then for some of you, God may call you away from Hosanna one day to another church. And it's my heart as your pastor right now that you would understand what to look for if God would call you to another place, if you moved, you went to another church, to really be able to see biblically what the good shepherd is, what a good shepherd looks like, and how to identify those people. But this morning there will be some overlap with what I shared a couple months ago in that previous study Um, But this morning, like I said, we're not going to focus so much on biblically defining what an elder is, what a deacon is, what a deaconess is, what they're expected to do do in their ministry, but we're going to look more at how they are to do that. And that's what I believe these four verses really get into. The mindset, the attitude with which leaders in the church are to serve. Someone once said that the church need leaders who serve and servants who lead. And Peter as he's been writing this letter, and if you've been going through this letter with us, he doesn't just address the suffering flock in this letter. He addresses that a lot, right, over 21 times in the, in the short letter. But he also has encouragement for the leaders of those flocks, especially those flocks that are suffering, those elders and those pastors. And so what we're gonna be looking at today, asking this morning is what are the characteristics of a shepherd who serves among God's flock? How should he fulfill the responsibilities that he's called to by God? And how can a church flourish under that leadership? So this morning, we're gonna answer those questions as Peter places himself and all the leaders, all the elders and pastors of the church really under an intense microscope. But before we do that, we wanna come before our Lord Jesus Christ in praise and worship to set our hearts right to receive from him because he is our chief shepherd He is the one that is worthy of all our praise and worship, amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you. God, we love you. Lord, you are the chief shepherd. You are the greatest shepherd. You are the good shepherd as you called yourself. Lord, we pray this morning as we get into your word and see what you have to say to those you would call to to under-shepherd your flock that we would see what it is that you're calling them to do, not just in the, in the task, Lord, but the attitude, the mindset, the heart behind it. 
Lord, that we would all be encouraged. Lord, as a pastor, I know that I want to be held accountable by the flock that you've called me to minister to. And Lord, so many of us have different areas of our lives where we're called to, to minister to people and in, in, in different ways to shepherd. And so, Lord, even though this is aimed specifically at elders and pastors, Lord, it is applicable to all of us in our roles of leadership as we care for people that you bring into our lives. So, Lord, bless us this morning. Speak to us this morning. Teach us this morning. But, God, right now, we just pray that you would be blessed and glorified as we lift your name on high. It is in that name, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. All right, as I said earlier, we're going to be in 1 Peter chapter 5 this morning, but before we start that, a couple weeks ago, I'd laid out a challenge to the body here to uh, get involved in evangelism, and we provided some tracks to everybody, and the challenge was, take one and hand it out that week. Did you do it? Awesome, all right, all right, three of you raised your hands, right, okay. <laughs> That's awesome, got some work to do, let's keep moving, right? So we still have tracks that are piled up here on the side and we have some out front. And uh, if you did that one that week, congratulations, proud of you, right? So now grab another one and do it again, right? Now, if you're feeling especially uh, brave and enthusiastic, do two, all right? Two will eventually become four, four will eventually become eight, and eventually you'll have a lifestyle and a habit of evangelism. And so I wanna encourage you guys to grab those. So for those of you that participated in the challenge, you know, proud of you guys, keep going. And, uh, and uh, we just wanna see as many people as possible hear the gospel of Jesus Christ because we know that the gospel changes lives. And we know when people hear the gospel, they receive salvation, right? And that's the goal. That's why we're here is to get that light out. And so let's keep doing that. So, all right. So we are in 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1 through 4. And, you know, when you go through the Bible, one of the, one of the most precious pictures of, of, of the relationship that God has with us is that of a shepherd. Um, the reason I believe the Bible uses that picture so much is because the picture of a shepherd is a picture of someone with great care, great concern, great patience, right? Um, there's, there's, there's a picture of just a great heart of love. And, and even though this section we're looking at this morning is directly specifically pointed at elders and pastors, um, the principles apply. You know, if you're a husband, you're the, you're the shepherd in your home. If you're parents, you are shepherds of your kids. And so the, the heart behind shepherding, um, the principles apply here to all of us, but, but I am going to approach it from specifically on what God is, is expecting and requiring of leaders in the church. But 1 Peter 5, verses 1 through 4, this whole section is framed around the word shepherd. You see the word there in verse 2 where he says, shepherd God's flock among you. And then through this, he goes on to really talk about the attitude with which one is to shepherd. Now, if you go through God's word, you'll notice that God himself is described as a shepherd very often. In Psalms chapter 23, verse 1, it says, the Lord is my shepherd and I have what I need is what it says in the CSB, or I shall not want in some of the more traditional translations. Psalms chapter 100, verse three says, acknowledge that the Lord is God. He made us and we are his, his people, the sheep of his pasture. And this description fits so well because God just, just exercises such great care of us, his people. He has such a massive heart of love towards his flock. But the description also fits so well because of what the picture says about us, the flock, the sheep, right? Isaiah 53, 6 says, we all went astray like sheep. We all have turned to our own way. And if you do just a short, quick study about shepherding and sheep, you'll learn that sheep need care. They need great care. They need regular care, right? They, they get lost easily. They don't navigate well. Sheep don't have great eyesight. They don't find their way on their own. They're not like, like dogs or pigeons, right? You know, like you read stories of dogs that get lost and they find their way 300 miles back home, right? You could train pigeons, right? They're so dumb they'll fly into glass, but you could take them miles away and they'll fly back to their cage, right? One professor of philosophy said this, the existence of sheep is evidence against the theory of evolution. And I think that's true in many ways. Sheep require constant oversight. 
They require constant leading, constant rescue, constant cleaning, or they will die, right? Um, and in many, many ways, you know, humans are very similar to sheep, and I think that's why uh, the Bible uses the illustration. But Peter, here in his letter, and in, in, in Scripture and many other places, um, refers to God's flock, God's people, as a flock of sheep. And I don't believe it's just to point out how, how dumb we are, right? And let's be honest, we can be pretty dumb sometimes as people. Um, but I think the reason he points it out is that, that, that as God's people are a flock of sheep, I think God wants to point out that anybody who's going to be a leader of God's flock has a certain uh, criteria they need to meet to serve with and a particular attitude or a particular mindset required to minister to shepherd sheep. And so I want to read the four verses in their entirety and then we'll go through it. First Peter 5, starting in verse 1. He says, I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness to the sufferings of Christ, as well as one who shares in the glory about to be revealed. Shepherd God's flock among you, not overseeing out of compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not out of greed for money, but eagerly, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. And so I see here three main things that Peter would say to those who lead, three responsibilities in how they serve. And the first one that I see here is that those who would shepherd God's flock must have a personal relationship with Christ. Now, you might think, duh, right? But there are cases and stories that I've heard and read about where people have been in pastoral ministry and weren't even saved themselves, right? So, you need to have a personal relationship with Christ, and that relationship needs to be paramount to those shepherds. Two, they must have a practical gifting or a calling to serve Christ, and, and they should at least in some way sense that they are called to do that. And three, they must have a powerful desire to please Christ above all else and above anybody else. And so for context and just brief recap, I want to look at the three words here uh, that Peter uses to describe the leadership in the church. The first one he uses there in verse one is elders. I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder. That is a particular Greek word called presbyteros, and Peter here is, is, is directly addressing the elders of the church as an elder himself. This word elder refers to someone who is mature, often older, but it doesn't only mean older as in aged, but it means more mature, wiser, more experienced. In verse two, he uses the word overseeing. He says, shepherd the flock of God, not overseeing out of compulsion. And that is the verb form of the Greek word episkopos, which is translated overseer or bishop. If you read in Timothy, he talks about those that are called to be bishops. And then in verse two there, obviously, he uses the word shepherd. And that, again, is the verb form of the Greek noun poimen. That is the word that is translated as pastor in the New Testament. Now, all three of these words describe the same person. They describe the same person. They describe the same leadership in the church. The elder, the overseer, the pastor are the same person in function within the church, okay? Um, there's no difference between the pastor and the elder in their expected function in their ministry to the church. Now, there can be differences in, 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 in time commitments, right? You'll have elders that are full-time. They work at the church full-time. They don't have a secular vocation outside the church. You might have some elders who have a secular vocation outside of the church, and they're, they're, they're part-time, or they're lay elders within the church. And here at Hosanna, we just, you know, use the term pastor to refer to a full-time elder, someone who's on staff, eldering full-time at the church. And so here at Hosanna, we'll have some that we call pastors and we have some that we call elders. But as far as the function of those two people, the ministry that they're expected and called to do to the church, it's the same. Now this is different from the office of deacons, but again, if you wanna get more detail on all of that, I encourage you to go watch the video that I did on Feb uh, February 6th. Um, it was the study we did on the 6th about elders and deacons. But these three different words are used to describe the same office, the same person. And I think in a way, elder is used to describe the maturity and the experience of church leadership. Overseer is used to describe their responsibility. They're to oversee the flock. And then shepherd really describes 
how they are to fulfill their ministry, the heart behind what they are called to do. And so here Peter speaks to the elders as a fellow elder, it says, and I think that's a very important point to start out with regarding the right mindset for those that would lead in the church. Peter doesn't come off as someone superior, right? He doesn't say, I, Peter, the great apostle who walked on water and walked with Jesus, never mind the sinking part, it is I, Peter, right? He, he, he doesn't, doesn't start with that, right? He says, I was, uh, I was a witness to, the, to, to these things. Now, it's, and it's easy to imagine that Peter in the early church, right, um, probably had some, some notoriety. You know, at the time of the writing of this letter, he was one of the few remaining original group of guys that walked with Jesus. And so you can imatter, imagine that pastors and elders and leaders throughout the churches as they were growing kind of revered him and held him up on a pedestal, which is kind of incidentally what the Catholic Church has done. You know, Peter is like, oh my gosh, you know, he's just the greatest thing since sliced bread. But Peter himself, he doesn't come off here as, as hey, you know what, uh, this is, I'm Peter, I, I'm, you know, out of the 12 disciples, I was one of the three on the inner circle. He doesn't say any of that, he just says, I'm a fellow elder. I'm an elder with you guys. And then he goes on to make his first point here, which is I think the first responsibility on how leaders are to, to shepherd the flock. Verse one, I exhort the elders among you as a fellow elder and a witness to the sufferings of Christ as well as one who shares in the glory about to be revealed. Now the first point is I believe that what we're being taught here is that good, shepherd, good shepherds must have an active and a growing personal relationship with Jesus Christ. It's foundational, it's foundational. He says that he is a witness to the sufferings of Christ. That word witness simply refers to someone who sees something, who hears something, and then tells other, others about what they've seen and what they've heard. And so Peter here, what he's telling us, and we know through the gospels that Peter was personally with Jesus. He walked with him personally, and so this is his past tense. Peter says, look, I was there when he suffered, right? But then Peter is also looking to his future where he says, I also, with you elders, with you current elders, I am sharing in the glory about to be revealed. So what Peter is saying there is, look, unlike you, I was personally with Jesus. I, I had a, a physical, personal relationship with him. But just like you, I have a relationship with him now, and I'm eagerly waiting for his return. So Peter writes as one who, 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 has, who had, past tense, and currently experiences a personal relationship with Jesus. And I believe that's the first mark of any good shepherd, is that they have their own personal, growing relationship with Christ. And a man who walks with God and is growing in that walk with God will be a good shepherd. When a relationship with Christ is real, when it's invested in, when it's growing, that person has a base from which to share and minister to others. To put it another way, a leader who isn't being poured into has nothing to pour out. And so with that being said, you might say that as the shepherd goes, so goes the sheep right? The more the shepherd grows, the more the sheep will grow. But conversely, if the shepherd is stagnant, the sheep will often follow suit and be stagnant themselves. Church leaders should always be growing in their personal relationship, their personal lives with Christ. They should be growing in their personal daily walk with Christ. If they're married, they should be growing in their marriage as a godly, godly husband. If they have kids, they should be growing in their relationship as a, as a godly parent. They should be growing in their gifts. They should be growing in their personal knowledge of God. I mean, in fact, Peter says this exact thing in 2 Peter 3.18. He says, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. All Christians should be doing that, right? But if you're going to shepherd the flock, you especially need to make that a priority of your life. If your personal relationship with Jesus is not vibrant and growing, your ministry will suffer. And by extension, those that you are called to lead will suffer as well. Now this doesn't mean that leaders can't have difficult seasons, right? 
This doesn't mean that leaders don't have times in their life where they're struggling and, 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 and even questioning or, you know, it, it doesn't mean that can't happen. But the question is, are you pursuing God in those times too? Are you pursuing God in both the good times and the bad times? And it's a critical mindset to have, especially, especially if you're gonna be uh, in the position of trying to help and encourage others in pursuing God in their difficult times as well. The mindset is that my personal walk with Jesus is paramount and foundational to my ability to lead. And I believe the shepherd who has this mindset will be a good shepherd to the flock. The second important thing that Peter points out here for those who lead is that they must have a practical gifting to serve Christ. Look at verse two. He says, shepherd God's flock among you, not overseeing out of compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you, not out of greed for money, but eagerly, not lording it over those who are entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. Now there's three words there that I wanna point out to you. Willingly, eagerly, and being an example. All three of those words speak of an attitude, a mindset, an inclination towards, a wanting to do something. And I believe that those who, who, who serve, those who lead, who, those who would shepherd the flock should have it within themselves to want to serve others, to want to serve others, including sacrificially if that is what is required. This is part of the practical gifting, a heart, a heart and an attitude that is generally others-focused that it's within you to want for others more than you might want for yourself, that it's within you to want the best for others, even if it might mean less for you, or even if it might be inconvenient for you, you still want the best for others. And not just in a general way, but very specifically in a spiritual way that spiritually you want to see others see the blessing of God in their lives. You want to see them grow in their faith. You want to see them get closer to God, that it's a desire you have, that you want to do that. You don't have to be coerced to be a part of that. You don't have to be bought to be a part of that, that it's just something you have within you that you desire for the people of God. I mean, Romans 9.3, Paul exampled this for me at least. It says this in Romans 9.3. Paul goes, for I could wish that I myself were cursed and cut off from Christ for the benefit of my brothers and sisters, my own flesh and blood. That's a pretty radical heart to have right there, right? I, I, I would wish that I would lose my salvation if my brothers and sisters could be saved and grow in the Lord. Now, there's two general areas of gifting here that are mentioned by Peter, I believe. One of them is a gifting to feed the sheep. And one of them is a gifting to lead the sheep. Now, the concept of feeding the sheep is found in the phrase there when he says, shepherd God's flock among you. The concept of shepherding, this this is what speaks to how an elder or a pastor is to minister within the churches that they are called to serve. Now, in the King James Version, that word shepherd is literally, it's translated feed the flock, right? Feed the flock, shepherd the flock. And the reason why is because the concept of shepherding was heavily tied into the concept of feeding, right? One of the major, major responsibilities of shepherding a flock of sheep is to make sure that they were well-fed, to make sure that they were well-fed, that they were healthy. And the reason was is because healthy, well-fed sheep produce more. They produce more wool. They, 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 they do more of what they are created to do. And so one of the primary callings of an elder of a pastor is to feed the sheep. Incidentally, when you go into Timothy and you look at the qualifications of bishops, overseers, and deacons, the one major difference between the qualifications of elders and deacons is that the elders are are required to be skilled at teaching. It says able to teach. And that phrase means skilled at teaching. Now it doesn't mean that you're required to like be in the pulpit on Sunday every Sunday Skilled at teaching could be a one-on-one discipleship. It could be leading a small group. It could be involved in, in, in a different ministry here in the church. So it's, it's not talking about any specific expression of that skill, but that that skill is being exercised regularly to the flock that they are called to be a part of. It's a part of their job. 
It's a part of their expectation. And so biblically, I believe the elder who isn't regularly teaching and discipling to the flock that they are an elder of isn't eldering. Now, you might be in a season where you're not, and that's fine. But the point is, is that there's this expectation of feeding the sheep. If you remember after Jesus' resurrection, right? When he saw Peter and he asked Peter three different times, do you love me? All three times he said versions of feed my sheep, tend my flock, right? Take care of them, feed them. Psalms chapter 23, verses one and two. David wrote, the Lord is my shepherd. I have what I need. He lets me to lie down in green pastures. What David was saying there is my shepherd, the Lord provides me with spiritual food. He feeds me. He takes care of me which is the main task of an elder or a pastor. And incidentally, is the first part of our mission statement here at Hosanna, right? Our mission statement is to know the truth, to live the truth, to share the truth. And so know the truth, the whole focus of that is when we're deciding what ministries we're gonna do, what ministries we're not gonna do, where we're gonna invest time and resources, we say, does it fulfill the mission of our church, right? And obviously, as a Calvary Chapel, we put a great emphasis on knowing the truth, teaching the Bible, you know, going through the whole thing. Because this task is so critical, we put a major focus on teaching the word of God, all of it, right? My job, the elder's job, is to feed the flock. And so we wanna teach the word of God. And so we go from Genesis 1-1, and we go all the way to Revelation chapter 22, verse 21. And then we go, let's start over in Genesis 1-1. I think Pastor Gary uh, went through the Bible eight times, I believe it was, in, in the ministry here at Hosanna. Eight times. You might think, why eight times? The words didn't change. Yeah, but you did. And so every time you go through it again, you're at a different place in life. You're at a different place of, of learning and growing. And so what God's word says, it says, it teaches the same exact thing, but the application is gonna be a little bit different this time, right? And so we go through verse by verse, chapter by chapter. We teach everything that the word of God says. And we will always do that here at this church. And I think it's important that a good shepherd does that. To teach everything, even the hard stuff, even the difficult stuff, even the challenging stuff, right? When I was young, I was in Boy Scouts for a brief time. And we went on this tragic hike out to Joshua Tree one night. I say tragic because as we were driving up there, a big storm came in. There was traffic. We get there in the dark. It's raining. There's mud everywhere. We're like eight years old, and they're like, set up camp. And we're like, we're going to die, you know? But we had good scout leaders, and so they helped us set up camp and everything. But, but as we set up camp, we were all starving to death, right? Because the trip had been so long, we were just so hungry. And so the scout leaders are like, okay, we're going to make dinner. And they start setting out all the stuff. And of course, they had Twinkies and Zingers and Ding Dongs, right? We're like, oh, yeah. But over here in this big pot, they were, they were making this, this concoction. And they called it goulash. Right? You're like, that sounds like undead food, Right? And they're like, you have to eat the stew first. The stew is, is healthy, right? It's got all the vegetables and all the food in it. None of us wanted to eat the goulash. We're like, no, give me the zingers. No, you have to eat the goulash. It's good for you. Yeah, but I prefer the zinger. The zinger makes me feel good. It makes me feel happy. Yeah, but the goulash is good for you. Nothing wrong with a zinger. But you got to eat the goulash. The Bible says in the last days that people will not endure sound doctrine. They don't want goulash. They just want the zingers. And unfortunately, there's many Bible teachers today that have an attitude that if the people won't endure the hard stuff and the challenging stuff, then I'm just not gonna give it to them. And so they pick and choose just the fun stuff, just the happy stuff, but they avoid all the stuff that confronts. I think that's dangerous. I've been taught that that's dangerous. Pastor Chuck Smith established that in the beginning that we have to go through everything because we go through everything. Life isn't just happy, so you can't just teach the happy stuff. 
life is tough, and so you have to teach the tough stuff because God speaks into everything in our lives. The harder, the confronting stuff is often exactly what we need to grow and mature past where we're currently at. And so it is the elder's job, it is the pastor's job to teach all of it, to teach all of it. The good shepherd knows that, so they won't avoid any of it. Now that's feeding the flock. The second general gifting that I believe Peter talks about here is to lead the flock. Verse two, he uses that word overseeing. Now as I mentioned earlier, this is, this is the, um, the verb word of a Greek noun that is translated overseer, right? It's translated bishop, if anybody aspires to the office of a bishop. But it's talking about the same person, elder, overseer, pastor, same people. And what that word simply means is to look over a group of people, to see what they need, to watch out for them, to keep an eye out for danger. And this is one of the calls of an elder and a pastor in their role to shepherd the flock. The shepherd would keep an eye out for wolves to make sure that they were safe. Now, I believe a shepherd is gifted to do this in a few different ways, and Peter talks about it here. One, that there's a practical, we talked about that heart, right? They have a general heart for others. It says not out of compulsion, but willingly. In other words, the shepherd doesn't want to look out for the, the sheep. The, 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 the leaders, the elders, the pastors, they don't want to look out for the congregation here because they have to, because it's some obligation that if they don't do it, they're going to get in trouble, but because they get to, because it's a privilege and an honor to do so. Even when it's hard, it's still a joy to watch out for the flock and so, you know, it's never like, oh, gosh, Sunday's coming again. <sighs> you know, it's already Wednesday. Didn't we just teach on Sundays? Come on. It's never that. It's always like, I can't wait. To, to, what's God doing this week? What's he going to do on Wednesday? What is he going to speak on Sunday? We can't wait to get there. We're so excited to, to, to feed the word and to, the, and to be here to watch over. That's, that's the heart of a shepherd, a good shepherd anyways. He says, not out of greed for money, but eagerly. The elder, the pastor, the shepherd, those that are called to this should never do any of that. They should never pastor, shepherd, teach, feed, only if they get paid. That's called a hireling, as the Bible says. Additionally, it should never be, I only do it if I'm on the clock. You know, if you're an elder or a pastor, you, you don't have a clock. Now, this doesn't mean that you work in, you know, availability and time. If you're a part-time elder, right, these are the time. You know, that's, that's all fine. But a good shepherd, if they got a call in the middle of the night and they said, hey, we just had an accident, we're in the hospital, can you come and pray for us right now, will never say, I'm sorry, I'm off the clock right now. That's not a good shepherd. It doesn't mean that there are not those that, that do get paid for it. Right? The Bible talks about that in other places. But the heart behind it is I would do this whether I got paid or not because I care about the, the, the flock. I care about God's people. That's the idea here. And the third one, he says, not lording it over those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. Pastors and elders, we are not overlords. We are overseers, right? The idea there is that the, the, the good shepherd a good shepherd doesn't expect the flock to do anything that they're not doing. They're not going to be up here and you need to be praying this way if they're not praying. You need to be reading if they're not reading. They're not an overlord. They're an overseer. You know, the best sermons that are ever preached, the best spiritual lessons in discipleship that are ever taught are, are sermons by example, in my opinion. Sermons by example. Why? Because again, if you study shepherds, you'll know this, that sheep cannot be driven like cattle. Sheep have to be led. You can't drive sheep, but you lead them. Leading by example is what gets sheep the furthest. And so a leader, a shepherd in God's flock, is someone who knows the way, who goes the way, and then shows the way. That's a good shepherd. Another way to express this concept of gifting here, I would, I would use the word calling. A shepherd must be called, right? 
And really, God equips those he calls. And you might ask the question, well, how do you know if you're called? How do you know if you're called to, to shepherd, to be an elder or a pastor in God's flock? Well, I believe that there's always a gifting that accompanies calling. Right? The, the, you, you can tell a person is called by, by fruit in their lives. That's one of the, the most immediate ways to, to see that. You know, a person, uh, if they are called to be an evangelist, right? Not just to do the work of an evangelist, but if they're called to be an evangelist, guess what's going to happen? Every time they open their mouth and say, Jesus, someone gets saved. <laughs> wow, you're, you're called to be an evangelist, right? I mean, they're out there going, you know, they're passing out tracts. I mean, uh, Pat Rojas, one of our elders, he's our chaplain of evangelism here. How many of you have ever walked out the front door without him going, here, take these, handing you tracts, right? Because his heart, his passion is evangelism. Now, now, all the leadership here at the church and all of us, we, we should be concerned with evangelism reaching out, obviously, but he has a driving, just singular focus to, to see people get saved. Person is called to feed the flock. Guess what they'll be able to do? Feed the flock. They'll have a gift at teaching. They'll have an ability to open up the word of God and someone goes, what does that mean? And they'll just go, well, you know, honestly, I mean, you know, if you look at this word, and it just, it's, a, it's a gifting they have to expound the word of God. And when they teach the word, people will be taught, right? I've known people in my past that thought they had the gift of, of teaching the word. And every time they would teach, everybody would walk away and go, do you have any idea what he just said? That was so confusing, <laughs> right? I go, maybe you don't have the gift. That's okay, there's other gifts, you know? But I think in, 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 in saying, am I called, is you'll see a, a gifting that, that, a, that accompanies the calling. You'll see fruit in, in a particular uh, expression of service in the body. And then there's something else here that I think is very important. You'll notice in verse one, it says, Peter's talking to the elders among you. And then in verse two, he says, shepherd God's flock among you. Obviously, the you there is the flock, the congregation, right? But what I believe he's talking about here, and I think this is a very important point to go, you know, am I, am I called into this type of thing, is that, that those that are in the body, those that come from the body to lead, to become elders, to become pastors, um, will have a gifting that should be recognized by the flock. Right, it says the sheep know the shepherd's voice. Right, there should be a recognition there. Um, because it's the flock that will receive the blessings from the ministry of that elder or that pastor. And so the body will, will, will recognize it, they will know it, they ratify it, you know, they, they oh yeah, you, you've, you've taught me, I recognize a calling in your life, you know, as the body. At Hosanna, we do that here with the leadership, right? If we recognize a gifting in somebody, we might say, oh, they might be, you know, uh, uh, gifted as a pastor. Bible also says don't raise up people too quick, and so we'll like, let them get involved in ministry and watch, and that's what happened in my life, and just over years of watching and discipling and molding and shaping, you, you see either someone you go, nope, they're not called into a pastoral ministry, or they are. I think this is why seminary or Bible college alone is not enough. It's simply not enough. You know, hermeneutics is great. Homiletics is great. Apologetics is great. Those are all good things, and if you have no idea what those terms are, congratulations. <laughs> they're just fancy terms for methods of Bible study and interpreting Bible, and they're important schools of, of philosophy. But shepherding, eldering, pastoring requires more than just knowledge and skills. It requires more than just knowledge of skills. I mean, you could teach techniques. I could teach you how to, how to publicly speak, how to talk to a room. I could... I could teach, you know, people can teach you skills on how to interpret the Bible and stuff, but, but to transmit the spiritual gifting, to communicate and teach God's word in a way where it sinks into people's lives and they grow because of it, you, you can't teach that. That's something God grants, God gives to people. Some try to enter into to, um, pastoral ministry, that role of an elder and a shepherd because they want to be seen or known as the leader, wrong. Some might enter into it because they want the applause of others. Wrong. Some enter into it because they feel like they should have the authority because after all, they're just so much better of a Christian than everybody else. <laughs> Wrong. I had a friend years ago who 
felt that way and self-ordained himself, one day called me up. I decided I'm a pastor. Oh, did you? That's, hey, praise God. Yeah, you know what, because, you know, the, I mean, he was, it was always pointing the finger, right? This church, that, and this church, that, and this ministry, that. And so, you know, I decided I'm a pastor. Okay. But where's your flock? Nobody followed him. Nobody listened to him. <laughs> Nobody wanted to hear anything he had to say. You know, Acts chapter 20, verse 28 says this. Paul wrote, be on guard for yourselves and for all the flock of which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as overseers to shepherd the church of God which he purchased with his own blood. You know, when I read that, one of the things I get out of that is do not dare take the ministry unless the Holy Spirit has appointed you. Now the process of figuring that out, that, that's a process. But you should have a sense of a calling in your life that I think God is calling to me, that I think God is leading me to this because if you do it on your own, there, there's gonna be no fruit there. This is why I think incidentally James says in James 3.1, not many should become teachers. It says not many should become teachers, my brothers, because you know that we will receive a stricter judgment. But when the Holy Spirit appoints you, when you're called, when you're gifted, the fruit of that gift is, is, is seen and evidenced and the body recognizes that, then what's gonna happen is you'll spiritually feed and lead people and they will grow because of it. The third important thing for those who would lead is that they must have a powerful desire to please Christ above all else. Look at verse four there, 1 Peter 5. When the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Now it's interesting, Peter was present at the sermon where Jesus called himself the good shepherd. I imagine Peter may have been remembering that when he wrote this. But here, Peter doesn't call him the good shepherd, he calls him the chief shepherd. The greatest shepherd. The shepherd of shepherds, if you will. And any good pastor, any good elder, any good shepherd should have this mindset. That you're just an under-shepherd to the chief shepherd that no pastor, and, and Pastor Gary hammered this into my head over the years so faithfully. He would say, this is not my church. This is God's church. I'm simply his assistant pastor. And I'll carry that lesson with me till the day I die. Because this isn't my church. In any church, any leader in any church, this is not my ministry. If you're over a discipleship, this is not my group. This is God's church. That is God's ministry. That is God's group because that flock is God's flock. And he has simply allowed you, entrusted you to care for them, to feed them, to nurture them. Now, if you remember up to this point, as I, I think I opened with, Peter is encouraging a suffering group of people with this letter, right? Suffering under persecution, and what he has said to them over and over and over is, look, hold on, it's tough now, but when Jesus comes back, you'll be rewarded. You got heaven ahead of you, right? So, so let that encourage you to, to keep on keeping on. Look to the future, look to God's glory, and, and he's saying the same thing to the pastors and the elders here. He's saying the same thing to them. Look, a good shepherd's motivation for ministry should be always and only to please Jesus. That he would say to them, well done, good and faithful servant, when you stand before him. And to be honest, in ministry, it's often way easier to please Jesus than it is to please people. Just, just being real. If you get into ministry and your motivation is to make everybody happy, you're just gonna be frustrated all the time because you're never gonna make everybody happy. Never, it's never gonna happen. Just because you please one person, the very act of doing the thing that pleases this person has now offended this person or made them upset or made them uncomfortable. You know, it, it happens like this. Someone will, will approach me and go, hey, Pastor Nathan, you know, the, the worship is just too loud. Okay, and we'll turn it down a little bit. Next Sunday, you know, Pastor Nathan, the worship's so quiet and boring. Turn it up. Pastor Nathan, why are you trying to kill me? 
Pastor Nathan, why are you trying to bore me to death? It's like, it just goes back and forth, right? You know, and so we try and minister to the most people at the same time, right? And find those, those, those mediums where everybody is blessed and ministered to. But, but, you know, that type of stuff happens. So it's better to start and end with just pleasing the Lord Jesus and him alone. Any good shepherd should have that as their focus. That I want to please Jesus. I want to hear what he wants. And sometimes that means leadership in your church might, might say, you know what, we feel the Lord leading us this direction. And, and sometimes congregationally, people might go, I don't understand that. I, 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 I might disagree with that. But, but the pastor's job is, is not to make you happy. It's to please the Lord. Now, it doesn't mean that, that your leadership doesn't care about you and shouldn't care about you. Of course we do. We love you guys, you know. But a man named Stuart Briscoe said this. Here's the qualifications of a pastor elder. He needs the mind of a scholar, he needs the heart of a child, and he needs the hide of a rhinoceros. I read a story of an old shepherd who was walking from village to village and he had a young boy with him, he had a donkey with him, and he had a whole flock of sheep behind him. And when he got to the first village, he was walking next to the donkey. So he was walking, the donkey was walking, the boy was walking. And the people said, shepherd, you're a fool. Why are you walking when you could be riding? And he went, well, you know, they're kind of right, and I, I, just, I don't want the people in the next village to be upset, so he hopped up on the donkey. Then he got to the second village, and he walked in, and the people go, you are so cruel, shepherd, to let that young boy walk while you're sitting on the donkey. And he went, well, I don't want the next village to be upset at me, so he got off the donkey, put the boy up on the donkey, got to the third village, and they're like, wow. Wow, shepherd, you are so enabling that boy to be lazy by letting him ride on that donkey. Man, if you're going to ride, you should at least ride together. So to please the people, he hopped up on the donkey with the boy. Got to the fourth village. Cruelty to donkeys! How dare you expect that donkey to bear the weight of both of you? That is ridiculous. Last time anybody saw that shepherd, he was now carrying the donkey to the next village. <laughs> hoping to avoid the conflict. You know, all work, especially ministry, uh, should be done to only please the chief shepherd. You always have an eye towards those, the needs of those you're ministering to, right? Because as a shepherd, you care. You care. Great concern for their condition, their needs. But just like parents, sometimes you know that that disgusting grape cough syrup is exactly what your kid needs, and they're like, no way, you, no way am I going to take that, but you, you, you have to give that medicine to them, and sometimes that happens in ministry. And the reason any good shepherd should only work to please the chief shepherd is because in the end, any elder, any pastor, any shepherd, you're not going to stand before the congregation, you're not going to stand before a group of peers, you're only going to stand before Jesus himself. You're going to stand before the chief shepherd, and if you have shepherded correctly, then as Peter says here in verse, verse 4, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. Peter had in mind, I believe, the Olympics when he wrote this, because in the Olympics of those times, there was this wreath of leaves that they would give the winners, right? There was no gold medals and silver medals and bronze medals. There was this wreaths that they would make out of oak leaves or laurel leaves or flowers or parsley, Right? So here it was, you're the champion. We're gonna give you this wreath that dies in about a week. Faded fast. But the race of shepherding, if you run it right, the crown that God will give you will never fade away. And so I wanna say this, you know, um, being able to be part of the elders and pastors here at Hosanna to serve you guys um, has been an amazing privilege for me. I'm, I'm really blessed to have been taught and, and discipled and watched the elders and, and leaders here at this church over the years. And, um, you know, for all of us, I know that, that serving the body here brings great joy to our lives, you know. Um, I can confidently speak on, on behalf of myself and, and Pastor Gary and Pastor Rick and all of our elders and ministry leaders to say it is one of the greatest honors of our lives to serve you, the body here at Hosanna. It's never just another Sunday, it's never just another Wednesday, but it's a new opportunity to see what the Lord's gonna do and how he's gonna work and grow in your lives to cause you guys to mature in your walk. So I look forward to what God is doing in your lives. You know, 
hold me accountable as your pastor to how I'm supposed to shepherd you guys and pray for me and pray for the leadership and the elders here at Hosanna. And if God one day would call you to move somewhere else, I pray that you would just be, be, be educated through the word of God on what a good shepherd would look like so that you would find yourself in a place cared for, ministered to, fed rightly, and brought into that place of just growing and maturing in your walk with Jesus Christ. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you, God. Lord, our chief shepherd. Lord, the one we serve, the one we love, the one we worship. You're, you're the one that we do everything for, and we're so grateful to you and who you are and what you've done. We know, God, that in your body we all have different gifts. Lord, there are different functions of ministry and body, different ways to serve. And Lord, we know that these words today were, were written specifically to, to elders. Elders that would oversee, elders that would be shepherding the flock, Lord, those that we would raise up as pastors, Lord. These words are specifically written to them. And, and I think, Lord, because in times of suffering, Lord, in times of great difficulty that, that the people who received this letter from Peter were experiencing, good leadership is critical. And Lord, and I think in our world today, we're, we're quickly moving towards some difficult times. And we know that in those times, Lord, that good leadership is gonna be critical. And so, Lord, I just pray for myself and the pastors and elders here at Hosanna, Lord, those that are in leadership in different ways, God, help, help us to stay humble, to stay focused on you as our good shepherd. Because, Lord, the reality is, is even the pastors, even the elders, we're all sheep as well. We're sheep in your flock, Lord, and we need you to lead us. So, Lord, we follow you by example. We ask you, God, to teach us to shepherd the flock rightly. And, Lord, we ask that you would bless the flock, all of us, Lord, your people. That your spirit would cause us to grow and mature in our faith, Lord. That you would reveal to us our gifts, how we're to serve in the church, Lord. And, God, if there's some here this morning in the room or online, Lord, that, that maybe even in this moment, God, your Holy Spirit is tugging on their heart to step towards pastoral ministry, God. I just pray for them, Lord, that you would bless them in, in this journey. But, Lord, we pray for all the pastors and leaders in your church worldwide, God, that you would just fill them with you, that they would pursue you passionately, that their personal relationship with you would never become second to the ministry, but first and foundational. That, Lord, as they sense their gifting and their calling and that they operate within that, God, you would just cause that to grow and mature and that, that the flocks that they get to serve, Lord, would recognize those things and to pray for their leaders towards those things. And that, God, your leadership would never serve to please anybody but you. That God, at the end of all things, it would stand before you and you alone. And that you would say, well done, good and faithful servants. Lord, we all have areas of, of leadership in our lives. And so, Lord, even though this was for elders and pastors, God, we know the principles apply, God. And so help all of us in those areas where we are a shepherd to somebody, to shepherd with the right heart and the right mindset, God. That we would be an example of you, our chief shepherd. We love you so much. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, let's worship, guys.